Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Battery Power Podcast, episode 356 on this 4th of July weekend. I am joined by Battery Power uh, Manager, the man who makes it all work behind the scenes, Chris Willis. Chris, great to be on with you. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good, Scott. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys uh, Let me sub in for Brad this weekend. That's right. We're a little bit of a, an unconventional show this week, Brad and Eric. Uh, my, my longtime co-hosts are out of town, unavailable, but hope everybody is having a nice holiday weekend. Uh, it was not the best outcome and result on Sunday afternoon as the Braves wrapped up in uh, Cincinnati. But nonetheless, it was a very action-filled week, four and two overall, which you can never be too upset with. Uh, but before we get into the games, there, there was some news to be certain. Uh, we're going to start with the... Freddie Freeman saga. And let's hope we can kind of finally put a bow on this. As folks, I think, are, are well aware now, there was really some eye-opening revelations. And if you did not go back and listen to the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman, um, and then the show that Chris and, and Stephen did earlier in this week, there was all kinds of coverage on Freddie, but we figured it was worthwhile to put a bow on this whole thing. But some eye-opening comments made by both sides, by Freddie, by his agent, um, some reporting as well, and I think folks are probably pretty familiar where everything stands at this point, but Chris, it was certainly all that, not just locally, but nationally, got a lot of attention this week. Uh, where do you kind of stand with all this back and forth? Yeah, I mean, Stephen and I tried to put a, a bow on this uh, earlier this week, and then, uh, you know, his uh, Freeman's former agent came out and released a statement and basically uh, accused the Braves of creating a false narrative. So this is like the story that won't uh, won't end uh, for so for so for so many reasons. But um, you know, I do think from the Braves standpoint that it's it's pretty much the story's over. But you know, just what a wild situation! I've never never seen anything like this you know i'm sure freeman's ready to move on from it too and uh but unfortunately i think he's angered some people in uh in los angeles so you know it may be a little bit longer before uh before he can finally put it behind him yeah i, th- I think that's right and i hope we we talked about this last weekend too is that series with the dodgers wrapped up i hope for freddie's sake this is clearly worn on him um, he made the comments that after speaking with some folks in atlanta we will probably never know the full truth. And we've talked offline about that. And at this point, there's just so many different sides saying different things. And it's, it's kind of like the bad game of telephone where at the end, it's, it's some portion of the truth. And maybe the whole truth was relayed 
at one point or another, but ultimately it's, it's just been such a bizarre situation. Um, but nonetheless, we figured we would touch on it. It was, it was very much in the news during the middle of the week. Yeah. I hope for all parties involved, really for me, Chris, we're going to have an interesting, you know, over the next couple of months as free agency nears, of course, for me, I think the most interesting final piece of this is that Dansby Swanson is represented by Excel uh, and Casey Close, Dansby came out as well and said he was not planning to change agents. At this point, I think uh, that that rep, that relationship between the agency and the Braves is probably tarnished for life, or at least for numerous years with how nasty it got. Obviously, we are not in the room when those discussions will be ultimately happening. Uh, but for me, that that's kind of the one final domino. I'm curious to see how it transpires really now until the end of the season. And then once the offseason begins, you know, will it impact Dansby Swanson? Will he change agents? Uh, because clearly he's a guy who is going to get paid very well. And I think it makes sense to bring him back to Atlanta. And you would hope that cooler heads would prevail. But man, I don't know. That That's a very, very interesting dynamic. Oh, agreed. And that's the that's the next chapter that's coming up, uh, obviously. Um, you know, I think Swanson's – man, you know, you couldn't have asked for a, a, a better time to have a career year as he's getting ready to uh, enter a free agency for the first time. But I do think there's some there's things to be learned from this Freddie saga. I hope that uh, Swanson's probably got a lot of faith in his agency, as Freddie did. But, you know, I think it's important that – be involved in the process uh, just for, you know, some of the things that we've seen. And I think that's, it doesn't matter if you're with Excel or anybody, I think if you're a player, you know, you need to, you need to take a, an active role in all that, because um, you know, if you, you can look at Freddie's situation, I mean, he, obviously he's ended up someplace that he didn't want to. Now it's hard to feel bad for him. I mean, he's playing Southern California for a, uh, a world series contender and he's being paid very, very well. But again, you know, it's his, his, his career and it, it did tarnish his legacy in Atlanta. So, you know, you hope, you hope Swanson learned some things from that. If he sticks with them, you know, it is a business. I, I hope that it doesn't impact future dealings, but I mean, you're right. I mean, and then Excel represents a lot of players, uh, a lot of players that are going to be in the draft. that's coming up in a few weeks. So, you know, it, it's something that it, I'm sure there's some tension there for uh, no doubt, but it's something that both sides will have to put set to the side because uh, they have to be professional and they owe it to, they owe it to the, their players, you know, to, you can't eliminate just one team. You, if you're, when you're looking for a, a good deal. So, yeah, that's well said. What a, again, it's just, it's odd. This has turned into such a, a spectacle even months after the fact. And let's hope for all parties involved. I think folks are probably getting a little tired of hearing about the drama and just one day after another, he said, she said, uh, but nonetheless, we figured it was worth touching on and Hopefully for the last time in this podcast, we have to go over it. Earlier in the week, some not great news on the injury front. Uh, Kenley Jansen was placed on the injured list with an irregular heartbeat, which uh, is obviously a concern anytime you're talking about the heart. Um, it's something that Kenley has dealt with over the years. I believe back in 2012, going back 10 years now, uh, he first had something happen. And thankfully, of course, he's been able to continue pitching at a very high level and by all accounts he's expected back whenever he's eligible to come off the injured list which I believe will be early next week but uh, Chris we certainly saw in the six games this week how not having Kenley in the ninth uh, really kind of changed up the order in the bullpen 
Yeah, no doubt. That came out of nowhere, too. You know, he was one strike away in that Dodgers series from uh, from nailing that last game down. And then the word come out the next day that, you know, he was dealing with the irregular heartbeat again. And it was scary. You know, you had to wonder to start with, you know, is, is this going to be a, a long-term thing? It is something he's dealt with in the past. It is something that he's had uh, surgery for to correct. Uh, so it was good to hear that the Braves expect him back at the end of the 15 days and that we're not, I mean, he was supposed to be still throwing and throwing side sessions. So he should be ready to return, but you're right. It, it definitely um, affected the depth in the bullpen. Saw AJ Minter uh, close a game. We saw Will Smith, the Will Smith experience uh, Saturday in Cincinnati, uh, got the save, but loaded the bases in the night. So, you know, I mean, this bullpen's been a strength Sunday no, notwithstanding, uh, you know, and, and losing losing arguably one of your best arms out of there, it's going to hurt any team. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And hopefully, again, obviously when you're talking about the heart, that that's a scary situation. You want to make sure Kenley gets whatever treatment he needs. And hopefully he's back out there. It's not going to be something that's going to continue to, to hold him out. Uh, speaking of pitching, uh, kind of a, a sad day, I thought, on Saturday for folks, especially who were very invested during the Braves' rebuild. Uh, Tuki Toussaint was designated for assignment on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the team added reliever Jay Jackson to the 40-man roster and optioned him down to Gwinnett. Uh, Jackson, for those maybe not familiar, was pretty good with the San Francisco Giants out of the bullpen last year. He's been coming back from an injury, and I would imagine at some point Jackson will be in the mix in Atlanta. But, you know, for Tukey, by all accounts, a great kid. He was so tantalizing. He is, for me, like the poster child of pitching prospects who have all of the upside, but just never, they just seem to be so close yet so far. But Chris, I mean, I was sad whenever they presumably let Tukey go. I would sure think a team will take a chance on him with the stuff he has and being a former first round pick and whatnot, but it was sad to see Tukey get designated and, and I hope he catches on somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. And for those of us that did ride out that rebuild, you know, you were clinging for any, any good news. Um, and I remember that trade vividly and, and researching Tukey and, and, and seeing just, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, electric stuff he had. And, and you thought, man, if you could just put all this together, you've got a, you've got a, a very significant piece of the puzzle here, but you know, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. Um, I've been kind of tracking Tukey for, uh, all season, kind of seeing what they were going to do. And he struggled as a starter, didn't pitch for several weeks. They moved him to the bullpen. I think he'd made four relief appearances with varying results. Uh, so I was surprised. I knew, there were a lot of guys on the 60 that are nearing coming back. So there was going to be some 40 man roster moves, but I didn't see, I didn't really see that one coming. I guess I, maybe if you look at the numbers, I, maybe I should have, but uh, you know, it was a surprise and it was a sad day. Uh, I think I agree. Uh, you know, we're, we're all kind of, we were all kind of invested in those and in all those prospects that the Braves pulled out. And I'll be honest, you know, I think you can draw some parallels. You've seen Kyle Wright turn it around. You know, and for a lot of a lot of reasons, you know, Tukey was kind of in that same mold. He'd show flashes, and and just for whatever reason, just couldn't put maintain the success at the at the major league level. So, you know, it is a sad day. I hope I hope he gets another chance. If it's not with the Braves, I hope it's you know somewhere because uh, I just feel like there's too much talent there for him not to be able to figure it out at some point. Yeah, I would agree, and I hope I know there were some folks questioning why the Braves made the move. You know, he's been with the organization for like six full years now, which 
feels kind of impossible, but at the same time, you look back and go, wow, that was a long time ago when that trade went down for essentially buying Tukey for Bronson Arroyo's remaining contract. Yeah, you said it. I hope I hope for Tukey's sake, too, with his unique pitch arsenal and, and skill set, I hope he catches on with an organization that has some real history developing pitching. Um, I hope it's in the American League for obvious reasons, but I mean, I think if I was a, a minor leaguer looking for a new home, I think like Tampa Bay is the mecca of where you want to go. You know, Cleveland has been really good at developing pitching over the years. You know, if it is the National League, even like the Marlins just down the road, I think have done a nice job. The Giants, of course, have become a pitching factory. And I would I would sure think, you know, I'm guessing the Braves will be able to trade him. It's not going to be for a big haul or anything like that. Or maybe he gets claimed in the 10-day in the period. But for Tukey's sake, right, don't, don't you think he's going to be somebody who would be of interest to other teams just because obviously it hasn't worked out at the highest levels. But that stuff is is intriguing to be sure. Yeah, I think so. I'll be surprised if he gets through waivers and and you know gets outrighted to Gwinnett. But you know the the pedigree is there, and um, I think a lot of teams will look at that and think, hey, we can if it's if you can't make a starter out of this guy, that he you could convert him into a, a quality reliever. And uh, you know, I mean, the, the, he, there's never been a question about his stuff. It's always been the command, just throwing enough strikes to. Uh, to make it work. So I think, I don't think we've seen our, uh, seen the last Tukey to saw it probably maybe in a Braves uniform, but I think we'll see Tukey again down the road. And, and I mean, if you follow a guy on Twitter and you've seen him in the dugout and stuff, I mean, just a, just a, seems like a wonderful person. Uh, so, you know, it's easy to pull for guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. So best of luck Tukey, wherever you end up, we'll of course have an update on that uh, probably with the daily hammer with Sean one day this week. Uh, so again, please continue to check that out. Uh, for kind of your daily bite-sized 15-minute update on all things Atlanta Braves. The final item on the pitching front, Chris, which was something that I mean, truly came out of nowhere on 4th of July weekend, Buster Olney, longtime ESPN reporter and a guy who I think has uh, sources that most reporters don't have, whether local or national, just because of how long he's been around, dropped a bomb on Saturday afternoon. And I quote here, there is a perception in some corners of the industry that if Jacob deGrom follows through with what he said in the spring and opts out of his Mets contract, the Braves will be the favorites to land him, end quote. Chris, I, I mean, I don't know where this came from. Clearly, only is hearing it from someone, and I, he's, he's not a youngin. It's not like he's looking for his big break. He's not trying to get some clicks on an article. I mean, it was just a very random and odd report, but anytime you're talking about Jacob deGrom, who, you know, as recently as two years ago was the best pitcher on planet earth, very, very intriguing. And I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Yeah. I'm with you. That's one of those where you, you see the tweet and then you look to make sure it's a blue check and you didn't get, uh, caught by somebody uh with an imposter account but uh yeah that was pretty wild pretty random i thought that was thought that was interesting i know degrom's been hurt all season and he's uh getting close i think to starting a rehab assignment so you know the mets are going to get a big guy back but he has said that he was going to opt out if he's it'll be i think it'll probably depend on how he finishes actually but you know you can't ever tell you know i 
it, I think for me with the association with the Braves, it would just depend on what he's looking for. If he's looking for one of those long mega contracts, I just don't see it. But if it's a short deal, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, why do you, what would you, I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, if it's something close to what Scherzer did, man, you're, you know, if, if he's, if he's healthy and right, that's one of the best, like you said, that's one of the best pitchers on the planet. Um, so pretty wild. Uh, it's early. <laughs> we're, we're not even really in trade deadline season yet to be talking about a free agency river, but man, that was that that's, you can't really get one bigger, any bigger than that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's fun to think about it. I kind of energized. It's funny. I missed, I was out with some friends on Saturday and I missed only tweet whenever he sent it out. And then like four hours later, I was scrolling Twitter and I kept seeing people talk about Jacob DeGrom. And I was like, what? Like, did he get hurt again? Or is he like suddenly going to start for the Mets? And again, just very out of left field gave us something to talk about. You know, he, like so many kids, I think he's from Florida. I think he's, I should have looked this up before. If he's not from the same town that Chipper grew up in, I, I think it's close to it. Yeah. I mean, it's in like so many kids from the Southeast, he grew up a Braves fan. That's been kind of well-documented over the years, even as he has been with the Mets so prominently, but as you said, just kind of odd to get that in the beginning of July when you have five, six months to go, but nonetheless gave us something to talk about. Finally, to, to kind of wrap up the news portion, uh, all-star game voting, we had an update just a couple of days ago. I think kind of unsurprisingly, Ronald Acuna Jr. was the leading vote getter in the National League, uh, which means he's going to automatically start assuming his health cooperates. Uh, Travis Darno, Dansby Swanson, Adam Duvall, and Bill Contreras all advanced to the next round of voting, which I believe starts on July 5th, so a couple of days. Um, and then on the pitching side, I, I think it's a lock that Max Freed, Max Freed's going to be on the roster. I don't know if he is going to start or not. Of course, Brian Snitker is going to be managing, so I think there's a decent chance. And then there's a handful of other pitchers on the, on the roster who are going to have a real shot. Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider even, uh, or maybe Kenley Jansen, especially with it being in Los Angeles. Uh, Chris, you know, we kind of joked last week, we, Brad and I are not huge all-star game guys. And we were talking before we started recording about your feelings on the all-star game, but any real takeaways from kind of where the voting stands? Yeah. Steven and I actually discussed this. Uh, I think it was in our, it was in our first or second uh, episode. You know, I'm kind of nostalgic about the all-star game. I was, as a kid, I loved it because it was, you know, back then, MLB TV wasn't a thing and and this was the only way to see the best players in the game but you know it is what it is it's the the luster of the games off of it but I do think this one's going to be a very Braves flavored game my biggest takeaway is I'm really happy for Ronald and I hope he gets to gets to start but he was in the same position last year and got hurt the weekend before and didn't even get to go to the game I don't think so you know I think this is this is the type of setting that uh, he lives for with all eyes on him. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the home run derby. I hope he can get there healthy, get the and and's playing well at that time, as I just think he he's a perfect fit for that atmosphere. Yeah, it's going to be electric and it's going to be pretty sweet having all of this Atlanta Braves representation on the Dodger field, right? Like <laughs> the the team that knocked the Dodgers out last year, and then of course they've been such good postseason rivals for years now. Um, it'll be pretty fun to see the, the Braves trot out on the field. I'm sure they're going to get a very warm welcome from, from the Los Angeles faithful. Have you, Chris, have you ever been to an all-star game? It's something that I know I'm kind of a Grinch and I am not the biggest 
like I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of let your guys rest. But I, I do think trying to go to an all-star game would be a really fun time. No, I've never been. And it's something, you know, it's on the bucket list. I'd love to see the home run derby. But like you said, you know, just just the opportunity to see all the, the greatest players in the game. On, on one field you know i'm sure there's a it's got its faults and there'll be a lot of people that opt out and don't and get replaced and, and by the time the game gets here you really won't even you know if you're not following closely you won't even really know who's on the roster and who's going to get in there but you know like i said as a kid i looked forward to it because it gave me that opportunity to see them uh i definitely like to catch one at some point yeah start saving your pennies it was uh it was ungodly when it came to arizona maybe 10 years ago it was ungodly expensive, like even for one of the events, but nonetheless. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up the news portion of the podcast. We're going to do a quick break here to hear from our sponsors. But then we'll look back on the Philly series, the Red series, and then look ahead to what should be a pretty uh, action-packed week ahead. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chris, we're back. A big series again against the Phillies. I feel like we have not seen Philadelphia a ton this year, just like we haven't seen the New York Mets very much this season, just the way the schedule is broken out. But, you know, going into the three-game series in Philly, you knew you were not going to have Max Freed or Spencer Strider. And as fate would have it, because I feel like the Braves always see these guys, uh, they had to face Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who have been both really, really good this year. Uh, but the Braves were able to take two out of three, and that began on Tuesday night, a 5-3 win over Philadelphia. Started out strong with, with Travis Darnot and Matt Olson going back-to-back of Zach Wheeler in the first inning. And I wanted to at least uh, bring up Travis Darnot because he is somebody who is having, I think, kind of quietly a really, really nice season. Um, I know he's up there in all-star game voting, but I think nationally he gets overlooked. There are some really good catchers in the National League, JT Realmuto, Will Smith, and I, and I think that Darno, who for, you know, in his third season now in Atlanta, he just does everything well. He calls a great game behind the plate. And I at least wanted to show Travis some love because uh, I feel like he's somebody who, even on this podcast, we probably haven't given enough credit for the work he's doing. Yeah. And in fact, I think, I think he's got a reasonable shot to be a all-star, uh, you know, especially with Snicker as the manager, but you're right. He doesn't get talked about enough. And, uh, um, you know, Snicker, he, every time he's asked about him, he will, he, he calls him a, a calming influence. And, uh, so that's why you see, you saw last year how it was without him. I mean, they went through what, seven guys trying to, trying to find a workable solution. William Contreras has given him a, a, a huge, uh, bonus there because I just think it's so important to keep Darno healthy and uh and rested and uh you know the bats the bats been real i mean that's that's the crazy thing since he went to tampa and had you know and the braves signed him that year i mean he's been a he's really been a steal from an offensive standpoint forget what he does behind the plate so yeah i mean big fan of him and i thought him and olsen getting to wheeler early 
early in that game was uh was huge and set the kind of set the tone because you know how good Wheeler is, especially if he gets once he gets locked in. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's somebody who if you don't get him early, you might not get him at all. It was a back and forth game. Game was tied 3-3 and then Matt Olson hit another home run in the eighth to give the Braves a 4-3 lead, which would be ultimately the, the go-ahead run. Um, and funny enough, in the ninth, the Braves added on an insurance run, uh, which is good, especially not having Kenley. And I think Minter was set to face the middle of, of Philly's order. But man, uh, Ron Washington not only threw up a stop sign uh, at third base, which I believe Orlando Arcea ran through, but he almost got like decapitated on the throw to the plate from left field. He was kind of weirdly standing into the third base line. We love Wash. He, he, every now and then he's good for maybe a, a questionable call at third base, but ultimately that can be a tough position to, uh, to always read where the ball is. But nonetheless, it was a nice way to go ahead and get an early win, especially after that difficult game on Sunday and that loss to L.A. Yeah, that was a pretty wild uh, play. Uh, Wash was actually almost on the on the line, and Arcia went around him. Uh, so I don't know if it's uh, if it's just me or something, but it seems like the Braves have run through more stop, Wash stop signs this year than what we've seen what we've seen in the past. It's it's yeah. and it's always yeah. funny when the camera cuts to him afterwards, you know, to, to see the look on his face or or whatnot. But yeah, you yeah. you got to love him. Uh, that was a that was a crazy play to, at the end of that game. And then the uh, the good vibes continued into Wednesday, which was a four to one win. Uh, Kyle Wright was once again. I, I think it's kind of been a theme for Kyle over the last couple of weeks. No, he wasn't particularly dominant. He didn't have big strikeouts. I believe he had four strikeouts, but he went seven innings, which was really helpful. Again, anytime you can limit those bullpen innings, uh, and Kyle is now nine and four on the season with a three point oh three ERA. His peripherals continue to be good and. Uh, you know, once again, it feels like every week it's kind of a similar story. There were a couple of moments where things could have gone sideways for Kyle and he just kept a level head and, and was able to power through. And again, man, we're talking, we're at the midpoint of the season and he has a 303 ERA. Uh, even for folks who thought he could have a breakout season or, or finally start to put some things together, uh, he has been just so impressive on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's a it's an unbelievable turnaround for him. And, you know, we just like we talked about with Tukey, you know, you always saw flashes of this, but he just couldn't sustain anything. He might throw up a zero for three straight innings and then get in a little bit of trouble. And next thing you know, it's five or six run inning and he's out of the game. Yeah, for me, seeing him have success at Philadelphia in, in that stadium where it just seems like he used to he's gotten bombed two or three times. You know, I thought that was that was had to be a big moment for him because I remember you remember he wrote he opened the he opened one season. I don't remember if it was two thousand I think it might have been two thousand nineteen in the rotation. Wasn't effective at all in, in one of those games the Braves got swept. Uh so you know, I mean to me, coming into the season, I was just hoping that he could lock down a, the fifth spot in a, a rotation. But man, he's he is so much more than that so far. And you just hope he can he can continue it because this is what we thought we were getting or was possible when they when they drafted him out of Vanderbilt. I mean, he had top uh, he had number one pick uh buzz. Uh he could have went at at the top of the draft and ended up sliding to the fifth. And I just thought that was a you know I just thought he could be an impact pitcher and he's showing it now yeah there are a few things to me anyway more gratifying and satisfying than watching a young pitcher over the years struggle not find immediate success but then put everything together and find himself do you do you feel similarly because 
we know how difficult it is to come up and not only get big leaguers out one time through the lineup, let alone two and three and even four times, but it's just so much fun to watch a guy figure it out. And again, I think it's easy to root for Kyle too, the way he has talked about not even just the physical hurdles, as you said, like he's always had the stuff. He's always had the physical ability that the pitches have always been good. Um, as we know well at this point, it was just the mental side. I think that it was tough for him to overcome and, Again, man, halfway point, nine and four with a 303 ERA. That, that's just really good. You know, last year he made the two cameo appearances in Atlanta and wasn't good. And then, went, you know, got, kind of got ban- – I felt like he kind of got banished to Gwinnett. They're, you know, they've said that that was kind of by design. They wanted him to find have some success down there. But, you know, I felt like if they thought he could have really helped that team last year that he probably would have been back up there. You know, and then for him to come through in the World Series the way he did, pitch quality innings, I mean, I, I do think that he's just used that as a springboard. And it is it is satisfying because we saw how, you know, how he struggled. You know, I've, I've seen him, I don't know how many times this season, you know, get that second and third, nobody out situation and, and get out of there with just one run scoring. Where in the past, you know, he'd have that deer in headlights look and, you know, he'd walk a couple of guys and then somebody hits a – hits a bomb because he's just trying to throw a strike. And, uh, I mean, he's developed. He's developed into a pitcher. And and like you said, you touched on, we've seen him strike out 10, 11, 12 guys in a game. And we've seen him, uh, you know, get through seven innings and only have three or four strikeouts. And to me, that's that's very much like Max Freed. You know, if if Kyle Wright can just somehow become the right-handed version of Max Freed, man, Braves are in really good shape there. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, speaking of young pitchers, uh, Thursday night's game was not good. Um, we have, I think, fairly been down and have had some concerns about Ian Anderson, um, and the wheels fell off on Thursday in the second inning. Uh, Anderson went two innings, think he gave up nine runs, um, just was not missing bats. And the Philly lineup, it, I mean, it's not bad, but they didn't have Bryce Harper. They don't have Gene Segura. He was getting beat up. The rally started with the bottom half of their order, which has some like four A players littered throughout, and then uh, and then the big bats at the top kind of beat him up and and ended the game. I guess if if you're going to lose, maybe losing fourteen to four is not the worst thing in the world because it, it kind of let everyone have a breather. And it, I mean, I don't know about you, I I firmly believe I would rather lose a game fourteen to four than say you know the way they lost on Sunday four to three and have your heart ripped out a little bit, but that was just a a bad start for Ian. It seems like they're going to keep him in the rotation for now, but I think it's, it's more than fair to have some real concerns about him moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you know, it snowballed on him early, Uh, but you know, he's had a strange season top to bottom. We've, we've talked internally trying to just kind of figure out what's going on with him. seems like he's not been able to uh, command that fastball quite as bit. And it seems like that changeup's not getting nearly as uh, many swing and misses as, as a result. Um, You know, we've seen him look real good. The FIP FIPs almost a run less than the ERA right now. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't feel like he's been real strong all season. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, if he struggles again. You know, he's still got options. I mean, they could send him down. They could, uh, you know, put him on the injured list uh, kind of as a mental reset. But, you know, I think he – Braves need him to figure it out. I mean, it's been a – you know, he's been a key piece the last few years, and especially in the postseason, he's pitched well. 
so, you know, it's just, I think it's just a matter of, of throwing more strikes and, and working ahead in the count because right now he's just, it seems like he's behind and the walks are, walks are hurting him. And then he gives up, you know, he gives up hard contact and then there you are. Yeah. The margin of error is just not there with him, right? Like everything seemingly needs to be working for Ian to be successful. And you may say, well, that's the case for a lot of pitchers, but I think with guys you even saw on, uh, on Friday night and on Wednesday night with Wright and with Freed, you know, neither had their A-plus stuff in those games, but they were able to, to work through it, right? Both worked seven innings. Uh, both only gave up the one run. Like, that, there's, there's ways, of course, you don't have to strike out everyone, and I don't think that's what we're calling for Ian to do. But, um, you know, nonetheless, it was an opportunity to uh, sweep Philly. You take two out of three, as we noted off the top. You, you didn't have Freed or Strider out there, and, you faced Philly's top three starters. So I think you, you take two out of three. Um, and then the team goes to Cincinnati and I think they played well. It should have been a sweep. Um, Friday night's game was a little odd. They were shut down by Mike Miner for the first five or six innings, which was, um, you know, old friend of Mike Miner. I didn't realize Mike was still in the majors. He is not pitching particularly well. I think he came into the night with an ERA of seven and a half. Um, Austin Riley homered early and Austin had a really nice weekend in, in Cincinnati. Um, and thankfully the bats came to life a little bit later on to, that would have been a tough one to lose with Max Fried on the mound against Mike Miner. Uh, thankfully the Braves came out, got a nine, one win and moved on from that loss on Thursday. Yeah. It's good to see Austin starting to swing the bat well again. You know, he's been pretty solid all year, but he, he was in a little bit of a, a little bit of a funk uh, at times through June uh, but you know he he got he's getting hot again. Looks like he had a couple had a couple of hits to the opposite field and then he punished a couple of uh, fastballs too. So uh, that was good. I, I thought that game there it was, you know, it was one of those where they kept missing out on opportunities early. That you know, Miner came in struggling, pitched pretty well. Once they got into that Cincinnati bullpen though, they was able to add on runs, and I thought that was real important, uh, especially get without Kenley Jansen right now. Uh, you know, you want as much cushion as you can. Dansby Swanson had a big three-run home run in that one to really take it from, uh, you know, uh, into a blowout situation. So, uh, was a good, that was a fun game. Uh, it seemed like everything was cooking for Atlanta uh, there. And they, you know, they pretty much held Cincinnati in check the whole weekend up until up until Sunday late. So, uh, it's good pitching and good, yeah. and good offense. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of wins that way. Yeah, and you talk about good pitching. You know, really, all three starters in the series were terrific. I wanted to just point out Max Fried, and I think listeners know well how good how good Max has been this year. But man, you know, it's easy to forget Max started out zero and two with those flugy losses to the Reds and the Nationals uh, that first week. But since then, he is eight zero with an ERA of two point six six. He's not walking anybody. Um, I thought Spencer Strider had an interesting interview. I think it was on Friday uh, about Max and just how he mixes his pitches so well, but not only mixes his pitches, but he has two or three variations of every pitch he throws. Like he has a low nineties fastball. He has an upper nineties fastball. Uh, he changes speeds. He can go in, out, up, down. Uh, he has just morphed into, we talked on the podcast last week when Dave Roberts called Freed the best lefty in baseball um, I think that's fair. And it was just yet another just fantastic performance from Max. He is going to get some real Cy Young consideration as long as he keeps this up. And man, 
Um, just wanted to point out how good he has been this year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And like you said, he had those two fluky losses. I mean, he gave up five runs to the Reds on opening day, and that's the most runs he's given up in any start uh, since. Uh, you know, so uh, he gave up a lot of – remember, if you remember those first two outings, it was a lot of soft contact, you know, beat the shift here. Uh, you know, it wasn't like he was getting hit hard, but he, he just wasn't completely dialed in. But, you know, he's uh, – we talked about it. Uh, Stephen and I talked about it earlier this week because, uh, you know, I do think – He's gone from a, a really good starter that didn't get talked about a lot to I think he's in the conversation now. And, again, uh, he can do it in so many different ways. Uh, he keeps a high ground ball rate. You know, one he can strike people out when he needs to. Uh, you know, he's just a total package. And, uh, yeah, I just like watching him pitch. You know, I don't ever miss – I don't ever miss one of his starts. Yeah. Yeah, well, and speaking of young pitchers who starts don't want to miss – uh, Spencer Strider, man, like that, that performance on Saturday was insane. Uh, Strider went six innings, just one hit, one run, which came on a bloop, one walk and 11 strikeouts. Uh, not only was Strider just dominant, uh, according to StatCast, he threw the fastest pitch ever by a starting pitcher at 102.4 miles per hour. Did you see that? Because, I mean, when you watch Spencer throw – quite obviously the fastball is coming in, but he has such a calm windup. Like it doesn't even look like he's trying. And this guy just throws absolute seeds. Uh, he had the slider working as well. I don't know how you possibly differentiate a fastball and a slider from him. Um, he has surpassed every expectation imaginable, especially since joining the rotation. And man, I mean, between Strider and Michael Harris, uh, the Braves are going to have two guys splitting the vote for NL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy to admit I was wrong about Strider because I really liked him in the bullpen. I liked him in a relief role just because I just thought that man, you bring that guy in in seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, he, you're not, you know, it's game over. You're not going to touch him. But man, he has he has exceeded every expectation out of the rotation and i mean i just don't know how you, i don't know how you could ever even think uh, about moving him now uh you know he's shown he can just be just as same as dominant and he's built himself up now to where he's a five six inning option every week you know just just filthy uh, that's the only way i know to describe him and when he's and he's starting to get you know he's starting to mix those change-ups in too and i don't if you're a hitter i don't even know how you i don't even know how you go about dealing with that uh you're already sitting there with that slider fastball combination uh mix a change into that too I mean, he's just been electric from the get-go and uh you know and, and man he's one of my I, one of my favorites to hear in the post game or whatever, just because he's so calculating, calm and, and collected. And, uh, you know, he's very thoughtful in everything he does. He's got a plan and he goes out and executes it. And, uh, man, you know, like you said, I hope they don't end up canceling each other out. But, I mean, I have a hard time finding a rookie. Uh, I mean, as great as Harris has been, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think Spencer Strider's got to be right there with him, uh, with anybody yeah. in the National League. Yeah, I mean, you look at his ranks in the National League, I mean, first in strikeouts, or strikeout percentage, I should say, first in FIP and XFIP, 11th in ERA among guys who have 50 innings or more this year. I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. He was getting all kinds of swings from 
I mean, the Reds were, were basically helpless out there. I mentioned he gave up the one run, which came on a bloop to center field that just fell in. Um, yeah, it was uh, his starts are, are quickly becoming can't miss baseball. Um, the only downside of Saturday's loss, other than Will Smith nearly giving up a grand slam in the ninth inning, which would have been disastrous. Uh, Adam Duvall was hit by a pitch on, I believe, his hand or maybe his wrist. Um, he left the game early. Thankfully, x-rays and, and the MRI came back negative. He's listed as day-to-day, um, although it does seem like Adam is going to miss uh, maybe a little bit of time. Um, thankfully, it's not a, a serious injury, but that was scary nonetheless. Yeah, anytime somebody gets hit on the hand, you know, you, especially with a fast, a hard fastball, you you know, you immediately think, uh, you know, something's probably broken or or whatnot. Those are the scary to me. Those are the scariest hit by pitches you can get it's when you see a guy take one off the back of the hand or in that wrist area. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be sore for a few days, but it was good to hear that nothing was broken there. He's not been what I think a lot of people were expecting uh, from what we've seen from him the last couple of seasons. But he he's very important in the outfield uh, still, and until they get a you know a better a better option, uh, Braves need him need him out there. You you saw Marcelo Zuna out there Sunday, in his place, and I mean it's just not you know it's not even in the same ballpark. Uh, you know I just think the Braves outfield's gone from uh, being a uh, one of the worst in the league defensively to one of the best, and and Duvall's a big part of that. Yeah, you're right. It will be very interesting to see now that Eddie Rosario has a full week of a rehab down in Gwinnett under his belt. I think he has about 30 at-bats. We'll see how long Atlanta decides to keep Eddie in the minors, but I think inevitably, I mean, maybe if Duvall is going to miss some time, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. We we do not have the luxury of being fortune tellers, unfortunately, but uh, or future tellers, I should say. Uh, we'll see how the Braves work in Eddie Rosario whenever he returns. And then we're on Sunday, man. Sunday was one of the more frustrating losses of the year. Really, it's back-to-back Sundays now, Chris, where uh, it's just been a, a tough way to lose a game. I think folks know well. Uh, Charlie Morton was fantastic. Seven innings, 10 strikeouts, flirted with a no-hitter until the seventh. Um, and after a, I mean, I, I don't know, Chris, what, where are you at with Charlie Morton? Because when I watch him, the stuff is good. He's getting a ton of swing and miss now strikeouts are up the walks are back to where they should be um you know do you think is charlie back all the way is he still feeling some of the effects of maybe being a little rusty to start the year where are you at with charlie i'm feeling better about him just about every start um you know the strikeouts came back that was a big piece that was missing early on uh and he would talk about it he is talking about his curveball he just couldn't get it he just wasn't getting those swing and misses anymore if uh, um hitters were either taking them or they were fouling them off and he couldn't, he just couldn't put anybody away. Um, you know, in June, I think he, the first two starts in June, I think he gave up four runs in both of those, but the strikeouts came back and it was like, he was starting, he was starting to kind of turn the corner. And I thought, I thought a big one, big key for me was that start in Philadelphia where he wasn't sharp. He walked four guys, but he was able to minimize the damage because again, he's, he's getting key strikeouts when he needs them. Uh, you know, to me, uh, Sunday, he looked like he did in August, September last year. I mean, where he's just – he was just lights out. Um, you know, he had everything working. He's got the 97-mile-hour fastball, and then 
you know, that curve, that curve when it's on, he can throw it for a strike. He can throw it out of the zone and have guys chase it. Um, you know, the Reds just had no chance against him. And, uh, you know, I, I was hoping, I didn't know he was at 81 pitches when he gave up, uh, started in seventh inning, you know, you're sitting there and he really hadn't had a high, you know, he really had cruised to that point. You're thinking, man, you know, he might be able to, he might be able to finish this thing out, you know, and then, and then they got the hit and he had to work a little hard there, but again, finish that, finish that in with back-to-back strikeouts of uh, Tommy Pham and Joey Votto, you know, just, it was, it was lights out. You know, you just wish, you wish the bullpen could have um, held it up because I mean, Morton was outstanding. Yeah, you're right. And unfortunately that is where the good pitching ended on Sunday uh, yeah, it was just one of those games, man. Colin Q, who has been good this year. I saw a lot of chatter. I know folks get worked up in the middle of games, but Colin Q has been good like all year. Uh, I, he had, he just didn't have it on Sunday. And look, that that's going to happen with relievers. I think he gave up four hits and three runs on a total of nine pitches. Um, despite McHugh's implosion, the Braves fought back in the ninth. Uh, it was shaping up to be what could have been what a – what was going to be a bad loss quickly looked like it might be a really nice comeback win. And then of course, AJ Minter just had some bad luck in the ninth, but nonetheless in the top half of the inning, Marcelo Zuna homered, which was his second of the game, which was I think encouraging. I mean, we know we don't have to tell you that if Marcel can get into a hot streak over the next couple of weeks, it would help tremendously. Um, you know, unfortunately for Marcel, his whole offensive profile this year has basically been, home run or bust like he he's not really hitting for any kind of power other than the home runs he doesn't have very many doubles uh he's not getting on base at a high level but hey we've seen marcel have hot streaks in the past and two home runs even if it is in a smaller ballpark in cincinnati Um, let's hope it's a sign of something good to come yeah there wasn't anything cheap about those two home runs either he barreled them up one of them came off luis castillo so you had to feel a little uh, feel good about that you know, it's he's been had a, a crazy season too. I mean, you know, you look at his lack at him, and it's it's been a it's been a poor season, and it's been really a two poor seasons now. But you still look at the Statcast numbers, and <clears throat> other than the chase rate, you know, he's he's actually been he's still he's underperforming again. You know, which was the story on him uh, before the Braves acquired him. You know, I feel like there's a hot streak there possibly, but he's going to have to cut down on the swing and miss and going to have to quit chasing out of the zone. Uh, but it was good to see today. You know, that was two big home runs, um, you know, and, and at a key moment. And, uh, and then, you know, we got to talk about Michael Harris too. I mean, uh, he made an unbelievable play in the outfield that didn't matter after uh, McHugh gave up two more hits, but I mean, he cut, he made a diving stop on a ball in the gap. I don't think I've ever seen that. He couldn't, he couldn't catch it, but I mean, he short caught it on the short hop on a dive held to get runners at first and second, and then hit that big home run in the ninth, uh, to tie the thing up. Um, you know, and just going back to McHugh too, you know, I mean, we saw AJ Minter has been one of the best relievers in baseball and, uh, you know, ended up, didn't retire a batter. Uh, I don't think, I don't think in the ninth didn't retire a batter at bases loaded and they walked it off. So, you know, it, it happens it's baseball, but, um, you know, the, re- the reaction to McHugh's been a little all over the place. And he, you know, you got to remember he missed time with COVID and he was first couple of outings when he came back, wasn't, weren't great, but, uh, you know, he's starting to round into shape. It just Sunday wasn't his day. Yeah. It's too bad. And you, you mentioned Michael Harris. I mean, the defense alone has made him so valuable. Like we've talked 
at length about what he has done, not only in center field, but then the ability to get Duvall into a corner and not feel like you have to pressure Acuna into center field. But, you know, the bat has been so much better than I think I was expecting, at least right out of the gate. Um, through 130 plate appearances now, Michael Harris is hitting 306 with a 338 OBP, a 516 slug, which is really good. Uh, and then a 134 WRC plus. Again, if you're not as familiar with it, 100 is league average, and he's at 134. This is, if not the youngest player in baseball, it might, he might be second youngest now with some of the recent promotions. I mean, what more can you say about a kid who was graduating high school three years ago? And I think there were some fair questions about if the Braves were being too aggressive with his promotion, but man, for being all of 21 years old, um, everything Harris does looks effortless too, which I think is a sign of just how talented he is. Um, he's calm and cool and collected in the batter's box has shown that raw power. And then again, the defense has just been so steady. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we were getting asked early in the season, like, you know, when, when, when is it Michael time for Michael Harris? When is it time for Michael Harris? And I kept saying, um, you know, spring training in 2023, I never saw this. And even when he came up, you know, the Braves were kind of in a difficult spot with their outfield defense. And I was thinking, you know, just as long as, as long as he can keep his head above water, he'll have a job because they need him in center field. But man, you know, I mean, he's one of the best off statistically, he's one of the best offensive performers they've got. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him, but you know, I, I love to see him, you know, I, when they, between innings, you look up and it's, you know, uh, he's coming up and then you've got Acuna coming behind him. I just think that's added a whole, uh, a completely different dynamic to this lineup and, you know, he can still a base. I mean, he does everything. And, uh, you know, it's just been impressive and, you know, they were right. They were, they were dead right to bring him up. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't look like that guy that's, you know, got his head underwater, um, had a little stretch there of strikeouts a few weeks ago and he made an adjustment and, uh, you know, that's what you, that's what you look for. I think in young players, those guys that can figure out what pitchers are trying to do to him and adjust, you know, when he came up, everything was, uh, you know, he was really working the ball away. And then, you know, in the, it seems like in the last few weeks, we started seeing him turn on things inside. And you saw that power today. I mean, that was a monster shot to tie the game and, you know, in a huge spot. So just, you know, he's like Spencer Strider. I mean, it's like every time you watch him, uh, you know, you just come away more impressed. Are you tempted at all to move Michael Harris up in the lineup? I, I was thinking about that a little bit uh, as you were talking. You mentioned how – just the dynamic with him batting ninth is that second leadoff hitter ahead of Acuna and Swanson. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the idea of getting him up to fifth or sixth in the lineup with the way he's hitting, I think is also intriguing. Where are you at with that? Uh, it's a good question. And I mean, I, somebody, I can't remember who, uh, so I apologize. Somebody asked uh, Brian Snicker that the other day about uh, when Acuna was out, about the possibility of uh, if he gave any thought to putting Michael Harris at the leadoff spot and leaving Dan's being the second spot. And, you know, Snicker just brushed it off and said, you know, you really liked him at the ninth spot. I think the Braves are really, they're trying their best not to put any pressure on him, um, especially in this early going. I wouldn't be surprised, though, as we get down the stretch, if, you know, if things start moving around, you might see him move up in the order a little bit. Uh, but right now, I don't think I don't think they're interested in that. I think, uh, you know, they're trying not to overwhelm him and, and make him put pressure on himself. But 
Um, you know, I do think, I mean, you know, I mean, he's, he was, he's been worth one and a half F four coming into Sunday. So, you know, that went up. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, I never, you knew he was talented. You saw it in spring training. You heard all the guys talk about him, but I mean, he's come up here and produced and it looks like he belongs and looks like he's going to be here for a very long time. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that as we have seen the Braves start to really find their groove over the last uh, month plus now that you look at when Spencer Strider was put into the rotation, you look at when Michael Harris was called up for center field, and you look at when, uh, even if it was a couple of weeks earlier, when Bill Contreras started to play a little more regularly as the catcher and then the DH, uh, you talk about three rookies making just a huge impact and, and really three guys who we thought might have some kind of a role on this year's team. But, um, you know, I think fairly there were not a ton of expectations with any of these three guys, at least for 2022. And man, they have made a huge, huge impact early on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, looking ahead and, and looking back as well, the Braves wrapped up the month of June with 21 and six, which I did. They ended up breaking the all the club's record for wins in a month at 21 or did it tie? I forget. I think it's a tie, but I, I should know this, but uh, because I, I know I wrote about it, but I, I can't. I think they tied it and had a chance to break it, um, you know, before that for losing that uh, that last game in Philadelphia, I think. Yeah. But um, you know, what a month. I mean, you know, you oh, yeah. remember they ended, ended May under 500. And, you know, even with today's loss, they're 12, 12 or 13 games over 500. I mean, that's that's an unbelievable turnaround. Uh, you know, there's June, June felt like, um, felt like September last year, you know, when they just kind of got on a roll and just, uh, you know, put the, put the pedal down and, and blowed, blowed their way into the postseason. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this this is more where we expected the Braves to be. I mean, 46 and 34, uh, they're now tied for the third best record in the National League. They're fifth, tied for fifth for the best record overall in the majors. And, uh, we are at the midway point. So I think this is about right for where we thought this team would be. We know the Mets are going to be tough. We know uh, there's a lot of baseball to be played. Uh, looking ahead, the Braves are three and a half back of the New York Mets. Uh, the Mets did win on Sunday after the Braves lost. Uh, the week ahead is interesting. The Braves uh, are going to uh, get back home to Truist, which would be fun. Should be four, just packed full. If the tickets aren't sold out, I'd imagine pretty close. The St. Louis Cardinals are coming to town. Um, and then the Washington Nationals, who are just a mess, will be in over the weekend. Uh, the Nationals might have also lost Juan Soto today. He had a hamstring injury, so as if that team – uh, needed yet another thing working against them. Uh, no Juan Soto, perhaps we'll see what the, the test results come back with. But nonetheless, it's seven games at home. Um, the Cardinals are a good club. They're, I don't know if I necessarily buy their record. They're, they're really, uh, they're 44 and 36. So just a couple of games behind the Braves in terms of record. But nonetheless, it's going to be seven games at Truist and uh, a chance to keep making up ground. 
I think the thing to watch in that Cardinal series is just how good Paul Goldschmidt's been. Um, you know, he's always he's been a steady performer. You know, he's drew drew comparisons to Freddie Freeman from that standpoint, just because of you know that consistent production. But man, he's had a he has put together an MVP level first half, and uh, I think he's going to be something to watch in this series coming up. Albert Pujols's last trip uh, to Atlanta too. So, you know, it, it like you said, it should be a fun fun start to the week and you know those ought to be some playoff level um uh games too so it'll be it'll be fun to watch chris will you be at the games this week over the with the fourth yeah i'm planning on going the fourth i i don't i don't know that i'll catch that whole series um but i am planning on being there for a couple of those games anyway um i've never i don't think i've seen cardinals in person so uh, you know, I'm sure it's going to be electric Monday, the uh, 4th of July crowd uh, at Truist. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a fun game. Uh, and then I think we get Max Freed, um, Miles Michaelis at on Wednesday. So some good pitching matchups in the, in that, um, in that series, you know, I, I agree with you. I kind of don't know if I buy their car St. Louis's record completely. Uh, but you know, that's a club that, you know, it's not surprising to see those guys winning. And, you know, they've just always they've, it seemed like they've always they always find a way to be around in that in that group. Tommy Edmonds had a, a good turnaround season as well. So that's gonna be a that's that's gonna be a fun series. Yeah, for sure. Cardinals, as much as uh as much of a pest as they have been, you cannot deny every year they seem to have a good team, even if the faces aren't always the same, they find a way to be competitive. Uh, should be a good series. Another potential uh, playoff matchup as well, especially with the way the the extra wild card has expanded the playoffs. Maybe it's going to be the first time we see these guys a couple of times this year. Um, Chris, I think we've we've probably done enough. It was a busy uh, week. You go four and two. I think the Braves ended up game, gaining a gra- uh, game on the Mets in the standings as well in the process. Um, as always, please you know plug the site. Any work that you're doing, you do such a great job. Uh, corralling the sheep of, of writing staff and, and getting a lot of great content out. So please uh, plug the site and any other stuff you're working on. Uh, well, you guys make it easy. Uh, you know, like I said, just check out batterypower.com. Uh, check it every day. We've always got a bunch of good stuff going up. Uh, this week's not going to be any, any different. Uh, you know, we've really been focused on uh, expanding this podcast network out. We've got a couple of other ideas we're working on too. Steven and I are doing a, a show. Uh, we've done three episodes so far. It's yet unnamed uh, podcast. Uh, we've been joking about that. We're trying to settle on a name for it, but uh, it's going to come out a day later this week because I we usually record on Wednesdays because I'm going to the game Wednesday night. So we'll record Thursday and it'll be up uh, on Friday. Uh, but, you know, other than that, just please, you know, if you like it, uh, give us a rating and a review. And, uh, you know, if you've got feedback for us, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. That is well said, my friend. Thank you again, Chris. If you'd like to follow Chris on Twitter, he is at Chris underscore Willis. If you want to follow the site, Battery Power SBN. If you want to follow me, I don't know why you would, but I am at Scott Coleman 55. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. I hope everybody has a great 4th of July weekend, great holiday. Uh, stay safe out there, and we will see you next time.
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 